Wait a minute. This isn't a Twilix hot sex line. Oh, oh, wait. This is Order 66. This is GM Chance, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because I'm too busy kicking it at Dragon Con. This is Fiddleback, and I did not just spend 36 hours listening to every Order 66 podcast. Where did my weekend go? D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Execute Order 66. This is Sunday, September 7th, 2008, and if you are George Bush Sr., today is Pearl Harbor Day. But since you're not George Bush Sr., we'll just go and say you're listening to the Order 66 podcast, episode number 33. 33. I'll tell you what. Been working on my Spanish. That's right, man. And that, that would be the voice of GM Chris, as always, with me what is, here. Yes, yes. What is up, Gamer Nation? This is GM Chris. And, of course, uh, GM Dave with me, as always, my uh, able companion, cohort, and uh, rebel sympathizer. Yep. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm a little sore. I uh, had a big old garage sale this weekend and uh, had to move lots of really heavy furniture and stuff. Yep. But it was totally worth it and i just got out of my dawn of defiance game which ran really late but it was a it was a good game good game it, it was it was good game it was a good game but that's awesome yeah but we want to talk about star wars saga edition uh, the most amazing uh, role playing game for a d20 based system that i've ever played in my life and uh, arguably uh, the best star wars system to come out i mean well ever. i know some weg players that would argue with me on that but uh, in no. my humble opinion Mine too. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So we're going to be talking about it, and we want to thank you guys for joining us. And uh, we're, I guess, better get the show on the road. What do you say, Dave? Okay, I guess we will. Maybe some announcements? No. Yay! <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys have not experienced the power and the passion that is 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, and you want to learn more about it, you can check out our sister podcast, Dave, which is called... Radio Free Homelet. RFH, the Radio Free Homelet crew. DM Tim and DM Jackson and DM Kate and DM David. And, and those guys are just put on one heck of a show. They got their seventh episode up. And these are long episodes. They're fantastic. Entirely devoted to 4th edition D&D. And you can find their link directly at our webpage, which is d20radio.com. By golly. And they have their eighth episode up now. Oh, they do? That's right. Oh, I said, I said, I said Actually, it's, it's their Random Encounter 1. That's right. Which I found That's quite right. entertaining. That's right. It, it was pretty funny, yeah. But Sounds like Kate's great, gonna great. run herself a Star Wars Saga edition game. I know, right? Hey. I know. That would be awesome. That would be fantastic. It very it very much would. It very much would. So yeah, big props on that. But uh, yeah, the great great group of gamers. Check them out. They're a lot, they're a hoot. Um, very knowledgeable folks. And while you're on D20Radio.com checking things out. Uh, you should check out some 
D20 Radio swag. Uh, we, we have some D20 Radio t-shirts, uh, both uh, Order 66 and Radio Free Homlet that uh, you can pick up and wear proudly and proclaim your membership in the Gamer Nation. Yep. And uh, they're really cool t-shirts. They're uh, black with the our logo and white on the front. And in the back, they either say, you know, I never listened to the Order 66 podcast or um, I leveled up listening to Radio Free Homlet, your choice. And um, the good folks over at Crazy Custom Tees handle that for us. So just head over to the website, click on the link, and uh, help support this podcast. <laughs> and you know how other ways you can support the podcast. And people don't even know it's there. I just did such a good job of hiding Masking it. Masking it, hiding That's it, right. making it impossible to see. That's right. Uh, off the top of the webpage, you see a link now that is sponsor a podcast is what it is. And really, that's a fancy way of saying donate money. <laughs> a lot of our a lot of our guys wanted the whole splash screens and all that stuff to go away off the forums, and that's fine and good. But we still got to pay the bills. So we do, if, we do, and our you, our listenership is getting larger. Yep, to say to say the least. And uh, those uh, server bills they be expensive. So uh, hey, if you guys want to support your favorite podcast and uh, toss a buck or two or five at us, we would greatly appreciate it. That's right. That's right. Very very cool. Now, as far as from Star Wars Saga announcements. The Force Unleashed campaign guide has been unleashed, so to speak. Uh, have you heard about this, Dave? I've heard rumors about the fact that, um, was it Amazon that screwed up again? Oh, I've heard Amazon. I've heard buy.com. I've heard a couple others. But uh, yeah, basically, the bottom line is, as is often the case with um, the, the online retailers breaking street date, a couple lucky bastards have gotten their hands on the Force Unleashed campaign guide and have posted all the juicy details therein um, up on the forums uh, in particular. Uh, we're not going to tell you any of the details because we quite frankly want to wait for the guy to go out publicly, but if you're uh, an unscrupulous soul who likes to, likes to promote broken street dates, like, you know, going and reading all the details like all of us did um then uh you right. can uh, go over to the gleamax forums uh which you can go to wizards.com slash star wars and click on the forums link to access and uh if you're even savvy enough you can go to our own forums at d20radio.com slash forums where you can find a thread about it and find a link therein and search all the good stuff for yourself i'll tell you that from what i've read uh, on there though it looks pretty freaking cool um it, it almost seems like they're listening to the players because I'm finding stuff there that people have suggested as house rules that they've now made rules. Now, well, keep in mind that this one actually came before. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, well, I'm talking about stuff that's been suggested since, since Saga came out, since, you know, a year ago. Um, and and even then, they're, they're, they're starting to, to put stuff in. Um, the, probably the coolest uh, uh, rule that I, I, I've read about that, that is in there is something I've seen used in home games I think is a marvelous suggestion. You can spend, apparently, apparently, this is unconfirmed, mind you, this is just rumor on a website, that you can spend a force point as a swift action and add to your force power suite a dark side power that is usable one time and it stays there for the remainder of the encounter. So, you spend a force point to get a dark side point. How about that? Pretty much. But it's one of those things. That's, that's the temptation of the dark side. It's quick, fast, and easy. You can just do it. I really ah, like it. But of course. I, I don't know. I'm really anxious to see. They talk about like the, the actual unleashed feats and doing all that, being able to do all that crazy stuff. And basically, it gives you the book gives you a whole bunch of ways to spend destiny points and force points to accomplish really amazing things with the force. And um, yeah. it's... It promises to be very, very cool. If they so, were uh, really listening to the community of gamers and geeks, though, 
they'd put in a mechanic for you to spend a destiny point and get laid. This is not Dungeons and Dragons. It doesn't quite work that way. Well, you know. I mean, seriously, seriously, did did Han need help getting laid? No. Well, no, but no. Did he have spent it? Oh, no. that's true. That's true. See, you have to. It, it's out of character type stuff. That's right. See, uh, how are you gonna how are you gonna do that? How how on earth are you gonna do that to spend a destiny point in real life? Ah. In re, in in real life, yes. See, well, some of us some of us don't have to quite worry about that, but uh, others do. Um, but you know, at that point, you start worrying about game mechanics for getting some in an RPG. I have greater worry for you. <laughs> to say the least. <clears throat> Sorry, I was drinking something. Yeah, I heard. You were loud enough with it. Okay. <laughs> well, Dave, I happened to walk Drink. down to my, uh, my my post office box today. Okay. And uh, there was a little something in there. From that worthless scum bag of nothing. What did he pull out of that big bag of nothing today? Okay, don't talk about him that way. He's a fine servant of the Empire, okay? And, you know, you know, he risks his life on a daily basis with the rest of his clone brethren to, to help us out. But but anyway, well, here, look, look, look. It's kind of well, – this is actually kind of strange, Dave. It actually – B-U-T-T-M-A. What? I, I really – well, here, look. Um, this is a real – uh, this is a kind of a dark and, and brooding postcard. It's hastily written, and it's got just a real dark – cold chilling feel to it i am um, I, I i don't really feel quite comfortable holding it actually oh, call harry potter oh no it seriously though it, it looks like on the front of it that there's a picture of a beautiful world um that way may once have adorned it but uh it's only a, a cracked blasted erasure of a picture there now and the barely legible words on the bottom read hello visitor welcome to malachor from across the galaxy it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, I'll write to you this week in a bit of a worry. <laughs> I don't really like where I am right now, and neither do the men. We find ourselves in the outer rim, the Malachor system to be precise, searching the Malachor asteroid field for something. I know, though, I probably shouldn't say anything, that the Empire's been working on some type of ultimate weapon, a way to protect the galaxy for all time, but work has been slow going, and the great and mighty Emperor Palpatine has been conducting research on other ways to create powerful peacekeeping agents. According to my briefing, his scholars discovered reference to an ancient world in the Malachor system, the fifth planet from the sun. Unfortunately, they gotta be cracked, because there's nothing here but an asteroid belt. Well, almost nothing. The wreckage of hundreds and hundreds of ancient and pitted ships litter the asteroids and float about, many of them thousands of years old, according to our census. Records tell of a beautiful world that was once here, and I even recall our Mandalorian instructors telling us of the ancient Battle of Malachor V, a once beautiful world that played host to a massive battle between the Old Republic and the Mandalorians, and later the Sith. I'm not sure how the battle ended, but apparently, a devastating weapon called the Mass Shadow Generator was used here. Though no one is saying it, it's clear this device destroyed the entire planet. Such power. It worries me. But we're carefully searching for any evidence of this ancient weapon. To be honest, I hope we find nothing. It feels... wrong here. Cold. Dark. I've fought many battles and felt the ghosts of many fallen men, but nothing like this place. 
I can feel it inside myself. Hatred. Anger. Death. The sooner we leave this blasted place, the better. Well, I better sign off now. I think I'm going to hurry through our sensor sweeps and ensure our Admiral there's nothing to be found here. I'll talk to you chaps later. If you get the chance, stay away from the Malakor system. Please, take my advice on this one. Later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. B-U-T-T-R-A-M, that spells butt-ram! Dude... I don't know. That's a little worrisome there. Uh, it's over in the Malachor system. You know, uh, I've, I've heard legends about that place. Um, you know, pansy. from back in the days of the old Republic. Pansy. Uh, but uh, I don't know, man. Well, Cody, I, I hope, uh, you know, despite Dave's, uh, you know, meandering prattling, I, I hope you get out of there soon, man. And uh, yeah, long live the Empire, buddy. And, uh, you know, hope you're out there doing some good work for the Empire soon. That's right. Shadow so, Generator, hope he gets it. This postcard's going right up on the wall. Yeah. Okay. Segway, should we? Segway. Segway, we must. Ah, yes, we must. Oh, speaking of Yoda speak, I got Yoda. I got my bobblehead Yoda. I'm very happy. All is right with the world. Punk. Uh, I don't eat enough McDonald's, I guess. I I think it's a good thing, but... uh, My daughter got it, actually, in a Happy Meal of hers, so I was... uh, Well, that's... I was very pleased. Happy. Very, very happy. Well, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. Joyous. Good, you know. Joyous. Yeah. Well, speaking of joy, what do you say we get some real mail? Some real mail? Yeah. Good, good. I'm glad you're finally acknowledging the fact that Cody is not real mail. Shut back down and shut your trap. It's time for mail call. You suck. Ha! All right. I got an, another email from Sebastian this week with another KOTOR-related question. Sebastian. Keep them coming, Sebastian. Whoa, we love whoa. Uh, he writes thusly. He says, Hey guys, I discovered something while reading through KOTOR, which I'd like to share and get your opinion on. If you dual wield a light whip, which of course is from Threads of the Galaxy, and a light foil, which is one of the new weapons in KOTOR Campaign Guide, and you use dual weapon flourish one, you can, if I'm understanding this right, trip with the light whip, get the attack from the light weapon as the grapple rules state, and then attack normally against a prone target. All in standard action. What do you think? Well, Sebastian, I think it's a rather broken combo, but I do think it's viable via raw. Uh, for those unaware, um, Sebastian's referring to the Melee Duelist Prestige class, which is on page 46 of the KOTOR campaign guide. And in particular, that Prestige class is Melee Duelist Talent Tree. Uh, the Dual Weapon Flourish 1 talent does indeed allow you to wield two light melee weapons, such as a, a light foil and a light whip, uh, attack with one as a standard action, and then gain an immediate attack with the other as a free action. Um, all normal dual weapon penalties apply. Uh, since the trip and subsequent attack with a lightsaber um, is is all part of a one standard attack, your secondary attack is free. A uh, free action. I don't really see any reason not to allow this. I mean, this could be actually a devastating combo. But quite frankly, it would be a long time coming. I mean, just to qualify for the prestige class and the talent, you're going to need melee defense, rapid strike, weapon focus, weapon finesse and Dual Weapon Mastery 1, not to mention seven levels in either Jedi or Soldier exclusively, minimum. And that's a lot. Uh, So, I mean, you're pretty much going to be a one-trick pony, uh, and ranged fighters are kind of going to make you their meat. Uh, But, hey, other than that, um, I think it's perfectly viable. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, um, I agree. And especially if you're, you're, dude, if, if 
you are freaking useless if you walk in um, <laughs> somewhere that you will wind up being at the lower level of uh, unless you have grenades on you to throw or something and, and you're in an ambush situation where they've got uh, high ground yeah you're host. don't try it I have the high ground I have the high ground yeah but yeah you're right man I see what you mean it's one of those things your redirect can only do so much for you um, and auto fire and uh, range fighters will, will make you their meat. Um, but uh, that's just, you know, I think it's perfectly viable, Sebastian. It's just going to take you a lot to get it there. I don't know if it's worth it to do it. There are so many other ways to get multiple attacks in a round that oftentimes only require the expenditure of a single feat. Right. So, you know, hey, but yeah, it is there. Um, excuse me. Yo. I forgot something. I what forgot something rather big, actually. October 25th and 26th, Star Wars Fan Days come to Plano, Texas in the Plano Center. D20 oh. Radio will be there. <gasps> rather That's freaking awesome. You didn't tell me that. I know, because I forgot. Anyway, we will be there. We will not have a press table, but we will have press passes. And part of the media wow. and all that good stuff. So... Anyway, we're gonna do. We don't care. We're gonna set up a. We're gonna set up a meetup, a greet. Uh, probably have a game or a cookout or a barbecue or something at Chris's house because it's like four minutes away. And now, of course, I'm volunteering your house. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, my house ain't big enough to support a gathering. Thank you, but uh, I, dude, it's a month away. I don't think we're gonna have more than five people show up. But <laughs> probably you know. not. If, if, probably not. If you guys want details, hotels, all that stuff for what's close by the Plano Center. Uh, send us a PM. We'll uh, we'll get some info up on the website. We will. We'd like to have a sit down. You know, for some people who are local, we'd uh, we'd love to have a you know to host a game, maybe the night before. But anyway, be, yeah, I, yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. So seriously, if you guys are going to be in the Dallas area um, during that time, or you want to make plans to show up at uh, Star Wars Fan Days, uh, we will have a meet and greet and uh, get together with some D20 Radio listeners. I know there's several in the area, and uh, if you guys are going to be there, so are we. That's right. And you will meet Jewel. I think her name is State. I'm yeah, not... Jewel State. Yeah, from yep. some, from 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 uh, Firefly. Firefly. Yeah. Yep, she's Kaylee. She is like the. Uh, one of the first people on the uh, on the list of people who are going to be there, Orly Shoshan, she's Shakti from Star Wars, will be there. And That's I do, like you, it. do you remember the uh, do you remember the bounty hunter that gets hit by the dart um, in episode Sam Weasel? Sam Weasel. That's right. Leanna White Wadsman Walsman, I think is her name. She will be there. Wicked. Yeah, and then my favorite—I had a big crush on her when I was a kid. Erin Gray from Buck Rogers. Do you remember her? I'm a little younger than you, dude. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes, I know who Erin Gray is. Anyway. Very cool, man. Well, that's going to be a Geekapalooza. I'm going to enjoy it. Geekapalooza. Speaking of that, doggone it! You revealed the name of the convention that D20 is going to do. Geekapalooza. Oh yes, that's going to be the name of our convention. Yeah, yeah. No, not really. <laughs> well, that's cool news, man. You surprised me. I'm excited. That's yeah. excellent. Sorry. So let's get back to. All right, scumbag, pay attention. It's time for mail call. In this totally disjointed episode 33 of the Order 66 podcast. Well, man, I'm 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 excited. I don't know where we. Oh, 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 oh that's right. Yes, we had another mail. That's right. Um, one other question we had um, on our community forums. Uh, Dark Trey he poses the following question. Uh, he said, "My question is a simple one." 
Episode 2 and Clone Wars. Both Obi-Wan and Anakin block Force Lightning just by using their lightsabers as a lightning rod. I was thinking about this and wondered if in a game it would be as simple as to lift the lightsaber in front of you and get no damage from Force Lightning. Would you need the block talent in Lightsaber Combat Tree? Or if not, can a Force user who just happens to have a lightsaber in his possession just negate the attack? Just wondering. Hmm. Well, Dark Trey, uh, our highly knowledgeable and incredibly useful forum community responded to your question rather quickly. And yours truly got schooled for not reading his errata properly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, personally, I had always, always thought that that whole lightsaber lightning rod thing was simply like a stylized rebuke or a negate energy, just something really cinematic. But I'm wrong. The uh, And I, I, I was you know, pimp smacked for it. Because uh, I don't read the errata carefully enough. The official errata, the officially published errata does clarify that the deflect talent can be used to block some or all of force lightning. Uh, the same way it can block auto fire, basically. So if, if force lightning, uh, if the force lightning use the force check, beat your reflex defense, you can attempt to deflect it for half damage. Um, if it doesn't beat your reflex defense and you deflect it, you take no damage. Yay. Just like, just like auto fire. Um, I didn't initially like that ruling when it got pointed out to me because I, I kind of I thought it complicated what was very once a very simple distinction in the rule because before they've always said okay there's skill checks and their attacks what applies to one doesn't apply to the other I get that but on retrospect I, I do agree with this ruling because I believe it helps rein in what is often a very broke-tastic power uh, so. There it is. So uh, to answer your question, Dark Trey, and to the rest of the Gamer Nation, you can deflect Force Lightning to an extent. Uh, so, To an extent, go. you may deflect. Indeed. I have that? no idea what I was going for there. Number I one, I, I want to say I was not making fun of New Zealand when I called them the Kiwis. Ask any New Zealander and they will say they'll call themselves the Kiwis. That's just know, what I they know do. A couple guys from NZ, they they call themselves Kiwis. Absolutely, I was not making fun of New Zealand, nor have I ever made fun of Australia. I would never do such a thing because I like both countries. Plus, I want to go to Australia one day. Hopefully, one of our listeners might actually put us up. Did you get a nasty email or something? I did, and Aww. you know somebody just needs to go back and listen. And they dared me to make fun of Canada, and there's no way I'm ha- no way in hell I'm going to do that either because I want to go to Victoria, Canada one day, and I'm just hoping somebody lives up there. Victoria's beautiful. You know, I'm half Canuck. I know. I know. I want to go up there. I want to. I want to see the inland waterway. I want to see the whales. You know, blah blah blah. I will, however, continue to make fun of the Blue Blanc and Rouge. <laughs> you can make fun of the French all you want. It's okay. We even have a couple French listeners I know, that and uh, yeah, they're just fun to make fun of because it's France. You know, hey, what, what are you gonna do? But no, man, I love. Don't make fun of Canada, man. You're making fun of my family, son. Yep. I got family all up in there. I got I got family in Alberta, Saskatchewan, BC. I got family all over, son. And Vancouver is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. So, and uh, also, Douglas, you sent me something in. I I don't know what the hell language it was. It was probably German. Horrible. I just the audio quality. I don't know if it was. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Can you resend it, please? That would be. Thank you for taking podcast idea. space to announce that instead of just sending the poor guy an email. No, it, well, it, well, I don't think it was him. <laughs> I don't think it was him at all. It was just, um, anyway, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I don't know, dude. Well, okay, in this bevy of randomness, do we want to move on to something else random? Well, 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 like what? Like what kind of randomness are we talking about here? I don't know. Maybe a little dark thoughts? Oh, well, I don't know. Okay, sure. Why not? 
The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. I sometimes wonder about Master Yoda, and then I wonder how they say good things come in small packages, but then I wonder what they mean by good, and then I wonder what they mean by small packages. But I also wonder if it's a small package, can it still be a big... This has been Dark Thoughts with Twilight Goodness. Well, now to continue on the randomness front more than ever before, <laughs> did you see The Revenge of the Clones? The what? The movie. The oh. Clone Wars. The Clone Wars. Yeah, uh, no, I still haven't. I, I know, I'm, I'm like an evil human being for not seeing it yet. I honestly, uh, I've just been really busy, and, and I've been a little worried and afraid. I think I've heard so many mixed reviews from, from various people, and um, I, I feel like I'm losing my Star Wars geek membership card because I have yet to see it. Damn straight, man. RFH does a freaking review of the movie I on there a, a week ago, and here we can't even talk about it because... The main guy doing the podcast hadn't even seen it. You're making me feel bad. Uh, well, hopefully. I think the All rest right. of the okay, game okay, of okay, might okay. dog value on it. I promise you. I promise you. I will see it this week. All right. We'll have a movie review. Rewind. Rewind. Let's do it over. We will have a movie review after next week. You know, three okay, weeks after yes. the damn thing comes out, you know, and all your free passes are good uh, now. You know, now you can actually okay, well, I've, use the I've free got, passes. I still have, I have yet know, to use so. my rain check. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use my rain check from the Dark Knight when it cut out on me. Okay, from from uh, oh, there you uh, go. from uh, um, not not the Dark Knight, but from uh, you know, um, yeah, from the Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, the, the the cut out on me. I'm I'm going to use that rain check, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go see it, and we can talk about it. What did you think about it, though? Um. Because I haven't quite gotten your opinion I, on it. Well, yet. you know, I didn't quite buy into the hype. I was trepidatious um, about it. I, I, I typically don't like animated movies unless they're Pixar. Um, Lucas was the executive producer, and as executive producer goes, The Empire Strikes Back was good, and he was the executive producer. So I would say I'd give it a 7.5. Out of? 10. So... It is not a dark night by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not Norbit either. So, well, Okay, well, I, I've heard it sucked. I've heard it was great. I had one person tell me, you know what, it wasn't a panacea of filmmaking, but it was still better than episode one. Uh, yeah, I might, I, might, I might tend to agree that episode one, because it was bad for so long, I don't know. See it for yourself. I'm not going to give away anything to you. And okay, just see it okay, for yourself don't, and see, don't, don't, see how don't. you like it. You know, I mean, it is it is different. It it is okay. Well, okay. So basically, the word is okay. You'll go see it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, okay. I promise. Well, okay, 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 see? okay. All right. See now, if we were listening to RFH, we would have had to drink three times because you know that's part of the D20 drinking game. You drink every time DM Tim says okay. Ah, well, uh, what's what's it for Order 66? We uh, You take a drink every time one of us repeats the other? Repeats the other, or you do this. <gasps> oh, you know, like, and you start talking. You do that uh, a lot. My 
God, we're promoting alcoholism. Every time that I screw up a drop and or make fun of myself or make fun of a country of some sort, then... Okay, now it's getting dangerous. If we encourage a drinking game off of that, we're going to be putting people in the hospital, Dave. Hey, it's no worse than the Star Trek Next Generation drinking game. Really? Haven't played that one. That one, that one's like every time Picard says "make it so," and every time it's it, there's there's a bunch. So I mean, you're you're pretty snockered by the time the uh, next generation ends. My wife would dig that. <laughs> yeah. Very. Yeah. Very. Cool. Okay, so what's next? Are we suspending well, the rules? Uh, yeah, man, we got some rules that are in need of some suspension. Wow. Chancellor, request a motion to suspend the rules. You're gonna suspend the rules? Shut up, Shaja! Motion granted. You don't need to add to the soundtrack. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, there this it is, is our Frank. S- huh? Huh? What? No, what? Nothing. What? Go ahead. Ah. Well, for those of you unfamiliar, this is our semi-regular segment uh, where we talk about house rules and uh, changes to existing raw or rules as written uh, that people use in their home games so we can share some love for some uh, home gaming goodness and see various interpretations, additions, and changes to the system we know and love. And we got a couple cool things to talk about this week. Um, now, first and foremost, if you guys have any rules that you want to submit uh, for the rest of the Gamer Nation to take a look at, something you want to see featured on the podcast, uh, you can go, of course, to our forums at d20radio.com slash forum, and uh, you can visit our thread in the uh, D20 Radio request section and uh, post up your house rules there. That's right. And this segment and f- brought to you by Darth Silverback and Zerissa. No, it's Darth Gorilla. Oh, right. Right. It's one yes. type of gorilla, you know? <laughs> Well, hey, Darth Gorilla could be a woman. I, well, I, I doubt it. I'm pretty sure he's a guy. But, uh, you know, you never know. You never know. You don't want to just make an assumption. You know, when you make an assumption, you make an ass out of you and umption. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, Darth Gorilla shared a really nifty idea with us that he uses in his group, uh, which he calls combat maneuvers. Mm. And basically, the way he describes it, and I really like this, it, it stemmed from a desire not to limit his players' creativity and gameplay. You they were in a situation. I'm sorry? I'm saying, you demand, Darth Gorilla. He is the man, because that is the best reason ever to make a house rule or to change an existing one, because that's where it all comes down to. Damn but Skippy. He, damn Skippy. He had a situation in his game where uh, somebody needed to grapple somebody else, and it was very important. But when it came down to it, nobody had the pin feet, so they couldn't do it. And so he fudged it and allowed him to do it, and it worked out great. Um, but basically, according to his house rule for combat maneuvers... Bantha Rush, you know, which is kind of like a, a bull rush for you D&D players. Right. Uh, pin, trip, those grapple maneuvers, they're often great things to have, and they can creatively make an encounter. But all too often, when the need arises, the players just don't have the feats for it. So Darth Gorilla allows his players to attempt these combat maneuvers without the requisite feats, albeit at a minus five penalty. Ah, so yes. they're... They're harder to do. I mean, oftentimes not possible, but at least you have the option of doing them. And then if you have the feats, well, it's no thing at all for you to do it. And I don't know, man. I really, really like this house rule. Ain't no thing like a chicken wing. So, 
Okay, what do you think about the house rule? Lay it out, man. <laughs> Just lay out on me. I got that from some guy at work. Yeah. You know. So back what to do our I discussion. Like? I, I do, I do, I do, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. It's it's quite it's quite the thing because yes, there have come times in an adventure that I realize, whoa, I put something in there and none of my players have the feet. So you know, this this does encourage the uh, the what would you say creativity? Yeah, that, that's that's perfectly that, that's just that makes too much sense to be on our podcast. Yeah, well, as this episode demonstrates, we're not much on the sense front. No, nope. but uh, firmly in the uh, dollars I, territory. Yeah, it's okay though. We're getting there. But no, I, I really like this house rule. In fact, I after reading it, I really think I want to encourage this in my own game. I think all too often, all right. as as GMs, we we get constrained by the rules. Um, and I think this is something if you lay it out to begin with, or even on the fly, just say, you know what? All right, go ahead and do it. I'll, I'll let you do it. Maybe, maybe you know, oh, spend a force point. You can do it. Something, you know, even yep. another good option. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I just really like it. Cool. So, good what job, else? Darth Gorilla. Kudos. Awesome. What else we got? We have Zerissa's wonderful role-playing idea. Uh, she's introduced a new language uh, to the plethora of languages that are there, and she calls it Archaic High Galactic. And basically, it, this is a language that can be learned like any other, but it, it represents the the ancient languages of the galaxy as a whole, kind of like a catch-all. Uh, things such as like ancient Sith or, or ancient Jedi texts, uh, literary works, historical documents. Nothing that would be ever spoken by anyone alive, but you know, having knowledge to, to read it could really help out if a party needs it. Um, and it would be great for like a, an Indiana Jones type character or kind of a, a Laura Croft type character. Um, Zarissa says originally she toyed with the idea of doing like DCs for certain really old texts and like intelligence checks, but decided it was against KISS, and, you know, keep it simple, stupid. And I agree with you wholeheartedly, Zarissa. And uh, as such, uh, she recommends that, you know, you, you basically learn this language, Archaic High Galactic, and in terms of what you can and can't read, the GM becomes the final adjudicator as to what you can and can't you know, understand uh, with your knowledge of archaic hydralactic or, you know, or how much of a document you can understand or, or simply if you just get the gist of it, even though you don't know the specifics. And I think it's a really cool GM constraint, but also it, it really opens up a lot of doors. You know, when you're in that ancient Sith temple, you know, and the Masasi ruins are all around you and you really need to know what that inscription on the wall says and you don't have a translator unit droid, you know, or whatever. Um, because your Wookiee blew it up. It can really help out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you hewed it with your vibro axe after it tossed a stun grenade at something. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, but even then, I really like the role playing aspects of this. I mean, I think uh, the whole you know relic hunter idea is 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 a pretty cool one, and there's a lot of fun to be had in the Star Wars universe with that. And this this could really help out. It really fits the role of the, I guess you could say, what the the scholar. Uh, which is yeah. a fun path for the noble to take. Uh, one of my current players in Dawn of Defiance has taken that path. Um, he's a noble with like no persuasive ability whatsoever. He gathers info, uses computer, and has all the knowledge skills. That's cool. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's it. And so I really like this idea, Zerissa, and mostly because it adds a lot to the GM palette and allows you to create your games uh, with uh, a little more spunk to them. And I like it. So very nicely done. So does I. Coolio, man. Coolio. All right. Mm. And now we're going to segue into talking about KOTOR. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is going to be uh, probably one of maybe two podcasts that, because, quite frankly, Dave, when I was going through this book, um, so this will be the second uh, of three podcasts. If well, you yeah, can't no, I know, right? So we'll probably have three when it's all said and done. But unlike Threats of the Galaxy, which was really a great GM supplement, but we can't go over every little thing. Unlike Starships, which you know, there's no point in going through two thirds of the book, which is nothing but ships. This is the first campaign guide to get released, and every single scrap of it, every chapter, every page is as chock full of good player based information as the the, the player's handbook, really, as, I mean, as the core rule. We've gone through what. There are probably 20 episodes that we've focused on the core rulebook, whether it's classes, prestige classes, all that. So, I mean, there's no reason to think we're going to be able to cover this in three weeks because there's just so much stuff in it. Let, I mean, we're just—we're not even going to limit ourselves to it now. No, we're, we're not. St- but what we, what we are going to start with those. We're going to get a good look. Um, there are, as we talked with Sterling Hershey last week, there are. I actually misspoke. I said there were eleven new races in this book. There's actually twelve. Um, I totally forgot to divide the Sith, uh, the Sith, uh, the Masasi, and the Kasai into two two separate species. So there's actually 12 new races in this book, and we're going to be delving into those, uh, as well as into some of the new heroic traits in this book, uh, which deal with, you know, of course, some of the new feats and the new talent combinations and stuff like that. And uh, we're going to be delving into that and, and taking a closer look at it, seeing where the, where the new species fit in. All right, so let's get so, started. Let's do it. Yeah, so as we said before, we're going to tackle this book in pieces. If you've been keeping up with our forums at all... At d20radio.com slash forum. You're going to know that there is a time that we have said we're going to be late by a day. And that time just came and <laughs> went. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty this much. is yeah, this is now Monday night. So um, yeah. we're, we're going to split the book up. After, we, after talking about this today, we're going to split the book up and... Take a take a whack at it like one piece at a time. So let's talk about species tonight. Yeah, let's because there's, there's just so much and there's so much to talk about just with the species. I mean, there's there's twelve brand new ones. Like I said, I, I misspoke when we were talking with Sterling. It's not eleven. There's twelve. Um, there's so much talk over the races in this book, Dave. And I mean, there's there's a lot of amazing choices out there. And people, you know, talking about well, okay, how best to use the new races, what their what their strengths and weaknesses are. And we want to take the time to delve deeply into them, examine what they can and what they can't do, and how they might best fit into, into your universe, and, and the ways to, to utilize their strengths best, and sort of the roles and, and uh, cool builds that you can, you know, we think they're best suited for, basically. Sounds good to me, man. All right. Well, first up, let's just start Open your code to our books to the species chapter, and and let's 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 delve right into it. Now, one of the Ooh. most interesting and hotly talked about races, Dave, uh, was the Arcanians. Which, if you're a fan at all of the expanding universe, you read any of the comics. These are the the arrogant SOBs of the galaxy. <laughs> and who are these? The Arcanians. Oh, dude, don't don't they like? Isn't that like uh, they're real big into incest and you know all that stuff? Oh no, well, Ar- that's Arkansas. Sorry, never mind. No. No, no, no. Arkansas. And you can Google that for those of you not here in the States. Uh, and I apologize to Zarissa, who lives there. <laughs> oh. oh, oh! so there went our invitation to the con in Little Rock, now didn't it? Hot Springs. And yeah, yeah, it did. It did. And you can thank yourself for that. Ah. I love Arkansas. I have family there, actually. <laughs> uh, See? So. There you go. Ladies and germs, I'm not just making fun of all you Francais speaking individuals. No, he's mocking people in his own country. There you go. Congratulations. Yep. 
Oh, but the Arcanian, Dave. Yes, the uh, most skillful he, of all skill monkeys. Yes, yes, the most skillful of all skill monkeys. Uh, well, with a with a bonus to intelligence um, and the ability to to reroll uh, any knowledge or mechanics or use computer check once an encounter, um, Arcanians, frankly, they make amazing scouts or nobles. You know, they're real skillful characters, basically. Um, as far as a noble goes, uh, the Arcanian does get a charisma penalty, which sucks. Um, but as long as you're not a deceiver, but you're more of a persuader, it's okay because they have this racial ability called intellectual reputation, which replaces charisma with intelligence when you're making persuasion checks. Dude. And that can be a, a pretty good godsend. And it can also reduce some of the mad aspects. I mean, you can you can pump all your points into, into just intelligence and make a pretty amazing noble, uh, just a total skill fiend who can still persuade. And that's really cool. And uh, the cool build we consider for an Arcanian... Uh, Dave, what, do you, which, what would that be? That would be the Outlaw Tech or Slicer. Slicer, yeah. Basically, I think uh, we think Arcanians make really cool uh, techs and slicers, mostly because their intelligence boost really helps uh, both use computer and mechanics checks, so if you're leaning towards that bent. But also, the Arcanian can re-roll both of those checks once an encounter, and that's a pretty big deal. I mean, you pick up the tech specialist feed, and, and you could modify equipment as well with much less of a risk since you can re-roll those checks, and that's a pretty big deal. Heck yeah. Um, so... Yeah, very cool build for the Arcanian, and a lot of people like it. However, also kind of part of the Arcanian, and not quite, is the next race, of course, in our our uh, our, our Kotor campaign guide, uh, which is the Arcanian offshoot. And Yeehaw! I mean, and if you guys if you guys get into the whole EU and all that, you know, these are like the the Arcanians genetically engineered members of their own race that are designed to perform specific tasks, usually of a great physical nature, since the Arcanians themselves are these, you know, mental scholars and all that. So the Arcanian offshoot makes, I mean, it makes a, Dave, it makes a great physical character with a lot of versatility. You can choose to boost either your dex or your strength, um, you know, at character creation. And that's really nice. Um, as is the chosen skill focus you get. You can choose to, fo- to, to gain, you know, skill focus in, in, a, in a bonus skill of your choice. Um, and their spatial ability is determination, which lets them re-roll any trained skill they have uh, once an encounter. And that is almost broken. Is it, uh, is it me, or are these uh, races getting a little bit better? Well, some do and some don't. We'll, we'll get to some of the ones that don't here in a minute. Right. Uh, but the Arcanian offshoot is one of the ones that is, has the potential to be very broke-tastic in the book. Just, uh, um, imagine and this with, is a Jedi, yeah. dude. Exactly, and that's kind of the cool build we're going for. I mean, Arcanian offshoot, what an amazing Jedi. I mean, you, you sure you get a con penalty with the Arcanian offshoot. Yeah, but if you're playing a Jedi, you get a D10 hit die anyway. It's going to offset it, right. okay? And you know you can choose to boost either dex or strength. So whether you're a, a weapon finesser or just a brute strength lightsaber wielder, you can choose what you want depending on the build you want to go with. You get the bonus of your choice. And re-rolling a trained skill once an encounter, guess what? Use, <laughs> use the, the force. force. Yep. It's a skill and probably one you're trained in if you're a Jedi. God, I hope so. So being able to re-roll a use the force check once an encounter is pretty freaking cool. I mean, the only other way you can do that in the game is through some very high-level, you know, prestige class abilities. So, um, I'm sorry. That's really freaking awesome. Um, so, Arcanian Offshoot, amazing Jedi. Consider it. Know it. Love it. Yep. And speaking of loving, uh, I think fanboys the world over rejoiced when they finally released the physical stats for the Cathar race. Or <laughs> Cathar, however you want to pronounce it. 
uh, Juhani from the uh, the original Kotor game, basically the the cat like uh, uh, feline race. And so, yes, fanboys, you can finally play a cat girl. Be happy. You know, when we were at Gen Con, we were playing the uh, the Betrayal of Darth Revan, and one of the uh, pre-made characters, you know, these level 9 pre-gens they give you, uh, was a Cathar Jedi. And literally, I had players at the table fighting to play her. It was mm. uh, pretty funny. Sounds delicious. Yeah, well, what they get is even more delicious. Uh, Cathar get a boost to dex, first of all. And furthermore, they're given a natural claw attack, uh, which... Also, as another one of their special abilities, they can use for free once an encounter this reactive claw thing where after they make a successful melee attack and they have a free hand, they can just, as a free action, just swipe out with their claw and make that free attack. Huh. Um, sounds, like, uh, really cool. sounds like a mail item there. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. But the best part about this race, they have a natural speed of eight squares. Yummy. Delicious. Yeah, that- yeah, that kind of makes you an uber meow badass, basically. So wow. when you consider these various things, what, what 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 the cool build that Dave and I kind of came up with on this was, Dave? That would be the one build, the sniper scout. You definitely ain't going to be the pussy in your group. No. Well, pussy cat, maybe. Okay. Uh, Yeah. But the Sniper Scout is kind of where we were going with this. Because we, we talked about it, and the, the bonus you get to Dex, well, first of all, that helps make you a very good ranged fighter. I mean, gr- granted, if you wanted to make a melee fighter, you can weapon finesse it and do it okay. But ultimately, when you consider all the other abilities they have, it really goes well with this ranged fighting build. The Intelligence Penalty is going to mean little to you if you go the ranged fighter route. Uh, you pick up Long Stride with a level in Scout, and you're going to have all of a sudden a 10-square base movement. That is unfreaking real. You yeah. grab running attack and the biggest rifle you can find, and you just blast away as you race around the battlefield. If somebody gets too close to you, provokes an attack of opportunity maybe, well, you scratch his eyes out with your one die six of lethal clawed fury. Um, yeah, I mean, and if you go soldier, stealth is always a class skill for a Cathar. Uh, and that makes you just a little scary. Yep. Kind of, kind of sneaking around the battlefield there. So that's pretty freaking cool. So, Kathar, they're very awesome. Uh, those are their basic abilities. And if you're going to do it, we highly recommend. You know, if you really want to make the best use of the abilities, go for that that long range fighter. Basically, the, the range fighter build. We, that's we right. think that'll work really well. Just like Britney Spears at the VMA. Uh, how does that even relate? Are you just dying to throw in a pop culture reference there? I have no earthly idea. I'm going to go with option B, dying to throw in the pop culture reference. The Bears won. Well, I, I guess she is a little catty. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Got it. You Got never it. know. Well, I, I, would, I would akin her less with a Cathar and more with a Drathos, uh, <laughs> which is the next species uh, in uh, the KOTOR campaign guide. Why do they the have Dra- a... I'm sorry? Why? Do they have a Fupa? No. Uh, Rathos are... They look like a cross between the mummy and a hairless ground sloth. <laughs> Uh, they're really freaking weird, man. They're a weird, weird, weird species. Um, and not only do they look really weird, role-playing-wise, it's nearly impossible to play one because they, like, never leave their home planet, ever. Uh, but, you know, some do venture out. Now, as they stand, the Drathos, uh, their abilities make them basically tough, 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 tough. They get a bonus to con, they get a natural armor bonus, and for free, they get the bonus feat, advanced melee weapon proficiency. Now, I know you, uh, who like to play, you know, vibro-axe-wielding behemoths, yep. can attest to how much it sucks having to waste your first level feat on advanced melee weapon proficiency just to keep from getting that minus five. Yeah, that's right, um, I know. 
So these guys don't have that problem, which means as a non-human, they still get to get a first-level feat. They don't have to waste on something like that, which is pretty cool. <clears throat> so uh, that's interesting. However, all that kind of stands in stark contrast to the whole telepathy thing. The big thing about the Drethels is, is that they're telepathic. They, without even being Force-sensitive, are allowed to make use the Force checks, which they get a plus-five racial bonus to when they're using the telepathy uh, part of the use the force skill so you know there, there are these natural telepaths Ooh, well that's that's spiffy and nifty but you know it kind of stands in contrast to the whole you know cool build that drathos are clearly leaning towards which is of course the meat shield meat um, yeah bottom line i mean everything about them is being tough 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 you know with this with this both boost con the natural armor you know uh, proficiency with a good melee weapon to get you right there in the thick of things I mean, you, with this kind of build, with a meat shield build as a Drathos, you're going to care very little about the charisma penalty, and you're just going to revel in in the boosted con, the the natural armor, the low light vision you get, and again, your first level feat isn't wasted on advanced melee weapon proficiency. Um, telepathy, though, I will attest, and you recall in our last game, the Jedi were doing this. Um, telepathy is useful in terms of tactical combat like signaling a party member or communicating you know with like uh, you know without a without a comm link or without making noise right right and you know also really creative party members might be able to use telepathy to communicate uh, with lack of a translator droid or something of that nature because right. you're communicating these basic raw emotions um, you know you you don't need to speak a language to do that basically that's pretty cool so, I think I might build a drain eye in the next game a dr- <laughs> drathos what I say? Yeah, I don't know. You've been playing WoW too much. You said a Draenei. Oh, <laughs> I was just I was playing my Draenei Shaman tonight, as a matter of fact, before we hooked up. So, sorry. It's okay. I see where your brain is. That's fine. That's fine. It's okay. I will tell you, though, the, the Draenei look, well, with the exception of the hoof feet, they look very much like the next race in the KOTOR campaign guide. Would that be uh, the Bjorn? The Fiorin, yes, because they have these little tentacle things. They kind of look like like the the predator from uh, from the, well the predator movies. That's basically. right. You won ugly. Never mind. Yeah, pretty much. Now I know that you haven't quite put your hands on a copy of this book yet. Negative. Um, I mean, you you've been pouring over mine basically. But if you get a chance to look at the Fiorin, Dave, you will leave Wookies behind. Bottom line, Fioran personalities in terms of role playing, they make Wookiees Wookies look cute and cuddly by comparison. They make Wookiees look like pacifists. <laughs> okay, don't diss the Wookiee. Uh, I'm not. I'm just saying that Fioran is that badass. Aside from the disgusting fact that you actually get stronger as you get older, you literally don't take uh, your physical ability score penalties as you age. Huh. Um, and yeah, guys, try just try and convince your GM to let you be old age. Yeah, when you're playing a Fjorn. Yeah, ha. Um, but your melee combat stats get natural boost anyway. Beyond that, um, now alas, the Fjorn does get an inherent racial penalty to the dexterity, wisdom, and charisma, which is a real downer. Um, and when you consider that, it almost pigeonholes you into our cool build for the Fjorn, which is the uh, master. Again. Yeah. Master Meat Shield uh, slash Melee Monster. Um, Drathos might be cool, uh, but the Fiorins kind of blow them out of the water. Uh, maybe a Wookiee does it better. Maybe. But I don't think so. Um, I mean, listen, as a, as a Fiorin, not only are your strength and your con boosted, but you get a species bonus, plus 2 to 4 to 2 defense, low light vision, uh, the special racial ability, Brutal, which is basically once an encounter, you get devastating attack. Nice. Okay. All right, and that stacks with devastating attack. So you could lower, you know, their damage threshold by ten 
for for one for one attack basically, which is pretty freaking awesome. And oh my freaking god, the most broken racial ability in this entire book, inborn resilience, which is basically a Fjorin can take their second wind while they're unconscious. So Dude. if you fall unconscious. I mean, and keep in mind, if you guys, if you fall unconscious, your only option is to wait one minute and attempt to make a con check, or you can attempt to have someone treat injury on you. That's it. Because you can't take a second wind if you're unconscious. You can't take any actions. You're unconscious. With inborn resilience, you can second wind while you're unconscious, and, and when you do so and you regain consciousness, you move three steps up the condition track. Up to a pl- up to, up to a minus two, dude. That is unfreaking real. Okay, you build a master meat shield melee monster with a Fiorin, You grab tough as nails as a soldier talent, and you're damn near indestructible. What about extra second wind? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what tough as nails does basically. Well, so you I grab know, tough but as you can nails, do it again. Extra second wind. Yeah, you're right. If you take extra second wind every single feat, you grab tough as nails multiple times. I mean, you can you can second wind that many times a day. You're damn near indestructible. You just get knocked down and brought back up. That's it. Wow. Awesome. Totally awesome. So I like it's it. Awesome I think it's with awesome. a capital A, baby. Thank you. So I think this is the most broken racial ability in the book. I like it. But there it is. <laughs> okay. There Beautiful. it is. Well, let's go to a different tact. Uh, the you know kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. The next race in the book is another one of these races we saw a preview of in Betrayal of Darth Revan. Uh, they made a noble out of this, the Kill, and basically a, a noble born you are uh, with the Kill. Um, the Kill are, are really fugly looking race they're sort of these green skinned humanoids and they have in place of mouths they have these tentacles you know kind of like zoidberg and (laughs) basically if they're fugly Um, why do they get a bonus to charisma because they're that pimp (laughs) (laughs) all right that's why uh and you're right they get they get bonuses to charisma and intelligence both and um that's pretty awesome uh, and we, when you consider that, it's pretty obvious what you're good at when you're a kill, um, noble, basically. And other racial abilities they have are awesome. They have the ability to take 10 on almost every skill check in the game uh, during combat, no less. Seriously, over 75% of the skills in the game, they can take 10 on just anytime they want to in the middle of combat. And the other racial ability they have is this really cool ability to aid an ally on those same skill checks as a swift action. So, you know, the whole aid another action, you know, which is a standard action where you can you can you can give a bonus to them, they can do it as a swift action, which can be really cool in combat. In fact, it's almost too good. And lastly, oh yeah, technically as a kill, Dave, you never need to eat. Okay. Ever. They're little tentacle things. They like absorb nutrients from the atmosphere, and so they never ever suffer the effects of starvation. Ever. Bizarre. Yeah, kind of interesting. Um so the cool build, of course, is... What are we talking about? Oh, Lord. All right, you're listening to continuing coverage of absolutely nothing here on the Order 66 podcast, because that's the way we roll while Skype decides to throw a shoe. Yep, how about that? All right, Master uh, GM Chris, are you with us, sir? I'm with us. I'm with us, Good damn Lord. Skype. I tell you what... Something's, uh, it's okay. something's just wrong with the world, man. You don't know, Skype. She's a cruel mistress, but uh, she does me right. <laughs> so I can't get I can't get too angry. You know, I can't get too angry. 
right. What were we talking about? Uh, you had just asked me a question that I and I wasn't paying attention. Um, and it was something. The kill. Yeah, the kill. The cool build was going to be like the uh, like the aid the aid heal bot kind of. You know, I'm going to assist everybody with everything. And yes, the aid machine. Yes. Uh, oh, no. Yes, for the, for our cool build on the kill, uh, the aid machine basically. Uh, listen, you're a kill. You're a noble. Go noble. Take levels of noble. Don't stop. Uh, train every skill you possibly can and aid, 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 aid. Uh, grab coordinated attack as soon as possible and stick with the inspiration talent tree, and you will be the best party buffer this side of a min max 3.5 bard. If you understood any of that, <laughs> I have kudos to you. The 3.5 bard. Bard. With your Bernard. little guitar sitting off by the side singing, I don't hey, remember. Elan is a bad, but bad boy. Trust me, trust me. Order the stick fans. Shout out. Wood wood singing. Wood wood wood. Okay, now we're going off into references of of that aren't even role playing related. Although red and blue I baby, believe, red versus I believe, blue. I believe that saga rules could be adapted to a Halo RPG. That I would believe. be really cool. Okay, I'll work on it, if you want me to. Uh, well, let's work on uh, getting our modules published first. Done. Done and done. Easy enough. All right. So let's talk <laughs> Moving about on. The, the kissers. <laughs> let's talk about the kissers. Uh, no, sorry. The Kasai. Kasai, yeah, that's the one. Yes, yes, the Kasai. Uh, the first uh, 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 subspecies of the original Sith race, which are laid out here in the KOTOR campaign guide. Go, Sith, go. Yay. Uh, well, as the the leaders of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, other race, the Masasi, basically, you're pretty well. Um, you're you're okay. Uh, that's kind of all I got to say about the Kasai. Huh. Um, I mean, you got a bonus to charisma, a minus to wisdom. Well, that that puts you on par with any number of races that make okay nobles or scoundrels. Um, in fact, you're about as good as a Twi'lek, but not quite as good because you can't re-roll any checks. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, wow, ooh, I, I get uh, weapon proficiency with uh, Lanvarok. Wow. Uh. Uh, spiffy, but not really amazing. Listen, Warrior's Awareness, which basically gives you Uncanny Dodge 1 and 2 for a single round uh, once an encounter, that can save your butt uh, and can really help you if you're squishy. Um, but eh, eh. sadly, Inspired is your best ability, uh, which is whenever you get a, a morale or an insight bonus, um, it increases by 1. So if you have like a noble in the party giving you a, a plus one insight bonus, it becomes a plus two. Wow. Ah. So when you get a buff, it's a better buff. Eh. Eh. Um, you know, I, that's really all I got to say about the Kasai. I expect a all little right. more from them. Let's just, just take them out of, of the book. Meh. Meh. Well, no, they, they need to be there. They're an important part of KOTOR. I get it. But, yeah. eh. As far as cool yeah. builds... Dave, uh, I mean, there's not a lot you can do just amazing with this. The one thing I can recommend uh, would be kind of odd. It would be a buff-tastic team. I mean, since Kisai become such badasses when buffed, you know, gaining more of a buff from a basic buff, um, be a buffer in a team of buffers. Um, I can see a party of Kisai nobles and officers uh, just buffing each other with various different types of morale whoa, and inside bonuses. Whoa. Let's tap the brake a little bit there, pal. That's a family show. What would what, I say? Um, nothing. Never mind. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was talking about, uh, you know, various Kisai nobles and officers buffing each other. Oh, with, yes. Uh, buffer me. Please, buffer me. Okay. Well, you you, you have a sick mind, man. You got, you got a sick, sick, sad mind. You, you know that? 
When I talk about buffing each other, I don't... You have, okay. All right. Fine. Let's talk about the Masasi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the Masasi. Because I like these guys. I do too. Uh, they're very cool. Now we're talking. Uh, now we're talking Go Sith Go as opposed to Go Sith Go. Uh, Masasi, man. Massive. Plus four to strength. Makes you scary scary. Um, you combine this with the same warrior's awareness that the Kasai have, um, it, you're pretty badass. But when you combine this with Duty Bound, which is the, one of the racial abilities of the Masasi, basically anytime you receive any type of morale bonus, you also gain bonus hit points. Um, that's pretty freaking awesome. It turns you into one tough, red-skinned, tentacle-bearded dude. And uh, you can really make the most out of what we call the, the cool build, which would be, of course, Dave. Um, a melee monster. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's pretty much the only way to deal with the penalties to all of your mental stats primitive. that the Masasi get. Uh, and the horrible, horrible primitive trait that they are burdened with. Eh. Uh, and again, you get to use a Lanvarok. Yay. Whoop-dee-doo. Whoop-dee-doo. Yeah. But if you can get past the primitive, you can make a pretty disgustingly nasty uh, uh, melee monster with this with this particular species. Yeah. So look at Mike Tyson. Yeah. yeah look. You know what? They, you know, it's, it's a shame they don't get uh, natural bite attack. Um, but I understand Tyson's going to be in Scum and Villain, so we'll be all right. Oh, is he really? Yes, absolutely. The the Tyson uh, from the Planet King, uh, the Planet Don King. Yeah, they call uh, him Death MVP. <laughs> I haven't heard from Death MVP in a while. I wonder I know, how he's doing. I, I haven't either, but he sounds closer to Mike Tyson than anybody I've ever heard. I know. Dude's awesome. I still want to get another bumper from him. But moving on. Uh, the next species that is in the uh, the Kotor campaign guide, and this, Dave, this actually, dude, on the forums, it got some consternation. Some people were very happy about this. Some people weren't. They reprinted the Miraluka, uh, which, of course, appeared in Threats of the Galaxy. A lot of people said it was a waste of an entry, a waste of paper. They could have put something else in there. Um, quite frankly, I'm kind of glad they reprinted it, mostly because I don't believe that players went out and bought Threats of the Galaxy. I, they had no reason to. It was clearly a GM supplement. And uh, I think, you know, for players who want to have access to the Miraluka species, I think it was a good, it was a good idea to reprint it. It's plus, the Miraluka plays such a key part in the KOTOR universe, um, the KOTOR era. I, I really can't see the book without them in it. So, okay, there we go. Well, talking about the Miraluka, okay, great, wow, you have no eyes and you can see with the Force. Oompa Loompa. You get Force training for free if you're Force sensitive. Yippee! So basically, you're a human Jedi, feet-wise. Uh, minus two to dex, plus two to intelligence. In other words, you get a bonus trained skill <laughs> thanks to your intelligence skill. bonus, which a human has anyway. Right. So the nitty-gritty here, Dave, as far as the Miraluka goes, is... The only difference between a Miraluka Jedi and a human Jedi is the Miraluka gets a minus two to dex in exchange for this whole force sonar thing. Is that worth it? No. I don't know. Some people think it is. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, But that's pretty much it. Uh, Cool build we recommend for this is a Jedi. Okay. Sadly, this species really isn't built for anything else. Um, If you try to make anything else but a force user with it, you are sorely, sorely hurting yourself in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, that's the Miraluka. But a lot of the things that are really weird about the Miraluka, none of them compare to the next species, which I think is a little lacking in the book. Boat race. 
No. The Rakata. Not Regatta. Rakata. Oh. <laughs> Man, yes. I'm stupid. For those of you who have played the, uh, of course, the KOTOR uh, video game, these are the, the ancient species that, you know, house the infinite empire that used to rule over, like, the whole galaxy a bajillion years ago or whatever, and now they only exist as this primitive remnant race, you know, and this is just another weird species. Um, they get a bonus to intelligence and a penalty to wisdom, which doesn't quite seem to mesh well with their very highly physical combat-oriented abilities. Um, oh, oh yeah, Rakata are also force-blind and primitive. Yeesh. Um, if, if it wasn't for those two things, Ricotta would actually make decent melee combatants, especially because, I mean, they have rage, uh, kind of like pretty much identical to a Wookiee's rage. Uh, they get weapon focus of their choice and the odd but interesting ancient knowledge ability, which basically, um, if they use an armor or a weapon they're not proficient with, instead of a minus five penalty, they take only a minus two penalty, uh. which is, yeah, it's just, just kind of odd. Um... As far as a cool build, I mean, we really didn't know what to do with this, but I could see potentially, upon thinking about it, perhaps a weapons master. Primitive is really what kills this species, but I mean, despite that, they can still pick up almost any suit of armor or weapon with little penalty for non-proficiency, and that lends itself to a real versatile soldier or perhaps an elite trooper, the kind of you know the kind of like commando combatant who can just walk into a battlefield and grab any weapon from the ground or or aboard a starship um, and just go to town. Um, knowledge tactics is your friend. You have an intelligence bonus. Use it. The T-1000. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's pretty much it. The Ricotta is just a really really weird species. I uh, I, I don't see much use for them. Um, and I, I kind of feel they were thrown into the book really just to satisfy the the need for the rate for the species because they play an integral role. Uh, but, you know, hey, nifty role-playing. And they look like giant aquariums with bulby eyes on the sides of their heads. Uh, which is, you know, funny. They're they're definitely a funny race to play and look at. Bulby, bulby, bulby. It's like handlebars. Their eyes stick out from the side of their head like handlebars. Can you they're ride them? Like, like uh, <laughs> uh, perhaps. I can just see a Jedi riding a riding a, a Rakata around a, an open plane with no handlebars. With no handlebars, no handlebars. Thank you. I was listening to episode 28 just this morning, and uh, you made that, that original reference to the Flowbots, and I was happy, and now I'm happy again. See, well, now you just kind of stand over there being happy. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be happy. Mm. I'm going to be very happy. I don't know if I want to go anywhere further with that. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Oh, you don't. Okay. Right, Moving man. on. <laughs> Uh, now, the, the next race in the book is a fixture icon of the KOTOR, the original KOTOR game. And we actually have um, uh, one of one of uh, my regular gaming group is actually playing a Cellcath in GM Brev's KOTOR campaign. Um, and the Cellcath are, are the bomb. Basically, your tagline is, I can help you. Uh, bottom line, uh, a Cellcath's racial abilities flow directly into a healing noble or a force user. They're healers, basically. That's what they were built for. Um, their racial ability, Able Healer, not only lets the Cellcath heal amazingly well, um, anytime a Cellcath heals another creature through any means, uh, they heal five extra hit points. Just nice. bam, off the bat. Yeah. In addition, once an encounter, they can just give someone bonus hit points. As, there, as an encounter ability, they can just walk up to someone and go, oh, here, here's 10 plus my character level in bonus hit points. Joy, have at it. Um, that's really cool. Very nice. It would only be better if your racial bonus was to wisdom instead of charisma. But the fact that you have no racial penalty to any of your ability scores whatsoever uh, 
only just 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 a bonus to charisma. Uh, it kind of takes the sting out of it just a tad, wouldn't you say? Uh, I'd say so. Golly, yeah. man, that's like a super noble heel bot. Y- pretty much, yeah. So I mean, you know, s- saying Doctor? that the Doctor. kill is a heel bot, not so much. The kill is an aid bot. The right. cell cath is the heel bot, Doctor? and the ability to Doctor. breathe underwater and swim like a fish—that's just icing on the cake. Doctor, doctor. Doctor, doctor. The cool build, doctor. pretty much. That's doctor. the cool build. The doctor. You heal. You heal really well. Use it. Uh, a cell calf noble is the party meat shield's best friend. Pick up skill focus, treat injury, surgical expertise, and you can keep even the most headstrong Wookiee wielding a Vibrowax who likes to jump into the fray and uh, destroy droids for no apparent reason alive. And Un- doctor. And doctor. 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 Another option, doctor is to be Jedi Master Doctor. Uh, go Force-sensitive. Learn Vital Transfer. Learn it again and again and again. Uh, your Charisma bonus will help you use the Force checks drastically. And besides, the Selkath have a wicked Force talent tree in the KOTOR campaign guide, but we'll get there later. Patience, uh, bad one. Oh, yes. Grab Force Point Recovery as often as possible when you start learning Force techniques, and that way you can spend Force Points to avoid taking damage when you use Vital Transfer. Beautiful. Beautiful, cool. Well, we eventually come to the very last race, the last new race in the KOTOR campaign guide. The Snivian. Uh, so you're short, and you look like a pig, and you're an amazing artist. Probably. <laughs> uh, the best part of being a Snivian is that you notice everything. You're not primitive. Like no, the, you're like not primitive. That's, a, that's not the best part, but it's a good part. Um but role-playing-wise, the Snivian come from this frozen Arctic world that, uh, interestingly enough, they're, you know, they're these huge hibernation cycles because their world sucks so bad they can't go out. Whereas some races would, you know, lead this to stagnate them, the Snivians have used it as a point to advance their culture and, you know, expound them to new heights. Basically, you know, when there's a blizzard outside, you got a lot of free time. So the Snivians are renowned as, as you know, galactically famous artists and writers and poets and other... Uh, amazing, you know, uh, perceptive and, and artistic people, mm. um, which is very cool. Um, now, Snivians mechanically don't have a lot of bells and whistles, but they do benefit from a plus two to their wisdom. And again, just like the Cellcath, have no racial penalties to any ability. Um, they just get a plus two to wisdom. That's it. Um, they get a boosted fortitude defense versus cold, which kind of makes sense, and a little bitty ability called observant which is basically once an encounter, they can substitute a perception check in place of a deception or persuasion check. So when you're in a social situation, you can use your observation skills basically in place of uh, of your more social acumen, in other words. Ah, that's pretty yeah. cool. It is kind of cool, and it kind of lends itself to one particular cool build, uh, which is a pretty basic one. The scoot. The scoot. The scoot. Basically, as, as the Scottish say. I'm sorry for mauling that accent, those of you across the pond. Uh, the scoot. Everything, everything for you should revolve around perception. Uh, pretty much. Everything should revolve around perception. Uh, oh, with with your bonus to wisdom, you're going to be a good perceiver anyway. And, uh, you know, you're, you're really tough in extreme temperatures, so it kind of fits the scout build. You know, nab skill-focused perception as quickly as you can. Nab acute senses when you're taking your scout talents. Um, of the rare few things you can't do with all your trained skills as a scout, persuasion and deception happen to be on, those, on that list. So now you can use your best skill, perception, which is re-rollable with acute senses, in place of a persuasion deception check once an encounter. And that's really not bad at all. Um, 
you are also a small creature, which means you get a plus five to your stealth checks. Another nice little benefit of being a scout. You can train in stealth. Huh. Very cool. So that's kind of a brief glimpse, guys, at the basic races in KOTOR. We want to know what you think. We want you to get on the forums. We want you to let us know what your opinions are of the races, where you see them being used, what you think of our analysis and our opinions. Let us know if we're full of it and if we're cracked. Just just let us know. You can email us. Email myself, gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. Get to the forums, d20radio.com slash forum. Or you can even give us a call on the Lusa line, which, of course, is 206-600-5872. L-U-S-A. And uh, you can leave us in on Ever Listen to the Order 66 podcast bumper. Leave us a question to be answered for mail call or maybe even a subject for the Detente Docking Bay. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, people calling in and, and, and writing in and emailing in concerned uh, actually about the fate of uh, our, our imperial correspondent, uh-huh. uh, Mr. TK421. Now, you, you, you've been in touch with him more than me, Dave. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a little out of the loop in terms of all that. Um, and uh, I, you know, I mean, wh- what's going on with him right now? Well, he, uh, you know, as you know, he was shot in a botched robbery attempt and spent some time in the uh, hospital and apparently started enjoying some sponge baths that he was given by some of the uh, nurses that he took quite a liking to. Uh, Last report indicates that he uh, was without use of certain faculties, which apparently were erroneous because... Uh, the newest reports is are, are that one of the nurses at Padme Memorial is uh, pregnant. Now, we don't know if that's TK421's uh, little soldiers at work or not, but, um, you know, weirder well, should things Should we try and find out? Yeah, I suppose we could if we can try to contact him. I doubt he'll be at his post. Boy, that's well, old. We, Boy, that's we, we can, we can tired. try. That's just old and tired. Just like still just like Jack's Dusty, which we haven't gotten anything from here in the last hey, full couple on, of weeks. Full on gamer's been a busy guy. He's only been posting like six or seven posts a day now. Um, so I mean, he's got to be kind of busy, right? Okay, yeah, that reminds me of uh, Albert Einstein, who uh, once was quoted as saying, "I said what?" Yes. Okay. So let's try and get a hold of TK421. Do it. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, TK421, sir. TK421, are you the copy? TK421, do you copy? What hosers, how the hell y'all doing? Ah, I'm back, son! <laughs> good, Woo. good, good, good. So, let's catch up. What's been happening? Oh, man. Oh, man, you know, just, I'm just recovering here, over here at the, at the hospital. They moved me over to Padme Memorial a few weeks ago, and I've just been enjoying myself. And, and you know, we, we had a barbecue out here yesterday, man. Old, old Sergeant Jensen, you know, he lost his legs in the battle with the Imperials, man. But that son gun, he is winning all the limbo contests now. You hear about that? I bet, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so, uh, the, is it is it true that you've got a little uh, you've got TK four two two on the way? Oh man, don't you believe no rumors you've been hearing, man? I've been reading them papers and they be talking about it, but I tell you what, she lying. I ain't never laid a hand on her. I was too drunk. 
Alright. I'll tell you what, besides, man, besides, she's a Rodian girl, man. I ain't much going for them Rodian girls. Yeah, I know how it goes, but McCain Ashby defense only gets you so far. Well, you know, you want my opinion, man? You want my opinion? I think she got a little too excited with somebody else and is trying to pin it on, on, on a good imperial servant, man. I think she's one of them rebel sympathizers. Might be using her, her position, if you know what I'm saying, to weaken the strong bonds of the great and mighty galactic empire. Okay. I believe yeah, you, whatever you say, man. Well, that's why I'm telling the press at least. But, but yeah, man, it's good to talk to you, hosers, man. How the hell y'all doing? I think we're doing great, all things considered. Oh, that's you know, good, man. I, you know, you know, I went back into the field this week. I, you know, I, I ain't worn the armor in so long. I kind of, kind of missed it. Did you fit? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but I tell you, yeah, I just... was a bit creaky in it. You know, your field of vision is real limited when you're wearing this darn thing, despite all the little gadgetry it's got in it. And, uh, man, we had a weird situation last week. We was out there rooting out some rebel scum out near Dantooine. And, uh, man, we were out there looking. We had this little, we found this little prefab base they tried to hook up or something, but there weren't nobody there. But uh, I'll tell you what, my commanding officer, he took a shot right between the eyes. Oh. Yeah, there was somebody out there, but we couldn't see him, man. They was running around. They was hiding, jumping out, shooting and hiding again. It was That's... like something out of a bad dream. Yep, it sounds like it sounds pretty stealthy to me. Yeah, well, you know, my philosophy is if you can't see him, you can't shoot him. And if you can't shoot him, they ain't there, or at least that's what we're going to tell the new CO when he comes in. <laughs> All right, well. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, Holders, I can't talk too long. It was really good talking to y'all. I appreciate all the letters and fan mails I've been getting from, from y'all's listeners. And, uh, you know, I'm, I want y'all to know that I'm back and, and serving the Empire is the good servant I am. But, uh, you know, I, I got to get back to it. In fact, uh, we got another limbo contest starting up in about 15 minutes. All right. Good hearing from you, boy. All right. Later, Hosers. Later on. Bye, TK. <sighs> How to control that guy I is. Him. Yeah, I kind of did too. Yeah, that's pretty good. But uh, you know, he does bring up a good point, and I think it just might lead us into a very neglected place of late. Oh. D20 Docking Bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. That's right, we are stepping into the bay, boys and girls, for the first time in, well, Lord knows. A couple knows. weeks, yeah. It's been a while. It has been a while, and I miss it. I'm very glad to be here in the D20 Docking Bay, our uh, <laughs> supposedly regular segment, where we take the time to delve into some thorny uh, listener issues and uh, questions they may have about the rule set. Some what issues? What? what? Thorny. Thorny. Oh, okay. Sorry. Thorny, as in on a rose. Thorny. Bushes. T-H. T-H. Okay, T-H. Right. You a dirty, dirty mind. Well, I did, it sounded weird to me. I mean, you know, Skype This is twice in one show. Have you been hanging out with TK? No, I hadn't been. I really Don't lie been. to me. You know. No, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. 
It's not, it's not my fault. Well, this week in the Docking Bay, uh, we are going to get to a long overdue Docking Bay request from our good friend Duncan, Vader's son on the forums, uh, who asks the following. He says, hey gang, I have a question for the D20 Docking Bay, or really anyone that wants to discuss it. I played in Betrayal of Darth Revan with GM Chris running it at Gen Con. We had a scoundrel that kept using stealth to get in sneak attacks. Something about it didn't seem right, so I wanted to get some clarification. Say you have a doorway. Inside the room is a target enemy. Outside the room is a scoundrel with running attack and a blaster. There are others involved in combat too, some inside the room, some in the hallway. The scoundrel is against the wall, not visible from the room, so he rolls stealth, then sneaks to the edge of the door. From there, he leans around the corner and fires at the target. Target fails his perception check, is unaware of the shot, and gets tagged. Sneak attack applies. Scoundrel finishes his move across the open door frame to the other side and rerolls stealth to hide again. Subsequent turns, wash, rinse, and repeat. Does it really work like that? From reading the rules, I would think the target needs to be distracted for you to go stealth again, via the deception skill, rather than just run out of line of sight. Maybe it should be the sniper rules from stealth skill as well. I guess the whole stealth thing just has me confused. Any help figuring this out would be hot. Thanks, Duncan. Hot. Hot. That's hot. Nice Paris Hilton reference, Duncan. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Now I'm just <laughs> looking for the old white guy. Old white-haired guy. Sorry. Thanks, old white-haired dude. Ah, lovely. Hey, look at that. Two pop culture references in one show. We've set a record on the Order 66 podcast for most bizarre references. Somehow I doubt that two is the record. Yeah, but me too. moving on. This week's D20 Docking Bay, we're going to talk about Duncan's question, in particular, sniping, stealth, and sneak attack. Wow, uh, the alliteration just confounds me. Hey, I'm good. What can I say? Well, Duncan, um, it really does smack of some prior system goodness and badness, so we, it is really important. We should take the time to review a few things about stealth and the sneak attack talent. Okay, so let's go over some of the basics. Sneak attack. All right, scoundrel talent, part of the misfortune talent tree, and I have to attest, our scoundrel in that game used it to devastating effect. Basically, you deal one die six of damage to any target that is flat-footed or otherwise denied their dexterity bonus to reflex defense. All right, so what does flat-footed mean? Well, flat-footed is being unaware of your attacker, and this condition applies in a couple scenarios according to the core rulebook. It applies if you have yet to have acted during an encounter, when a surprise round is occurring, now that's very important, because it's very different from the D20 systems we're used to, with everyone being flat-footed until they act. As long as you're not surprised, you are not flat-footed, even if you haven't acted in combat yet. And that is actually clarified on page 150 of the core rulebook. That's a big deal. People have been playing this wrong for some time, and I've seen it. In Saga, according to one page 150, you are not flat-footed, even if you haven't acted yet, unless it's a surprise round. All right. So gone are the days of a scoundrel who becomes a badass simply by challenging someone to a fight and then going first in initiative. All right. You literally need to have them flat-footed. They need to be unaware of you. So, aside from uh, the surprise round, you can catch your foe flat-footed if you are hiding from them via the stealth skill. Now this is clarified on page 72 of the core rulebook. The stealth skill can be used to hide or sneak, preventing an enemy from noticing you. This would make them flat-footed against you. However, to do this, you must be unnoticed originally, and you must have either cover or concealment to use stealth in this manner. That's clarified on page 156 and 157 of the core rulebook, respectively. 
Now, if you beat the target's perception check with your stealth roll, they don't notice you. Now, it's important to note, though, that circumstance modifiers apply to both roles for things like distance, difficult terrain, and the like. Okay, so now we move on to applying stealth to sneak attack damage, sniping. Another application of the stealth skill, this is detailed on page 73 of the core rulebook, if you successfully hide from a target and then attack from hiding, you may then re-hide as a move action with a minus 10 penalty to your stealth check. All right. FYI, there's a new scout talent, Hidden Attacker, in the KOTOR campaign guide that lets you do that as a swift action. Pretty cool. We used it in Betrayal Draft Revan. Very cool. Now, you mentioned, aside from that application of sniping, Duncan, would you have to create a diversion to hide? This is a final application of the stealth skill, and it could play into our scenario, as is detailed on page 73 of the core rulebook. Creating a diversion to hide allows a character who is seen to begin with to use the deception skill to create a distraction to then attempt to hide, even though people are aware of him, basically. So, in our scenario in the game, this scoundrel with plus two die six sneak attack could, with the cover of the wall she's shooting around, attempt a stealth check before attacking to go unnoticed and to catch her opponent flat-footed. She rolled really well. Uh, frankly, I, I kept rolling twos. And if I recall, uh, again and again, even a few once. Uh, and if the scoundrel then decided not to move, okay, still maintaining cover from the doorway, she could immediately attempt to rehide after her shot at a minus 10 penalty to her stealth check, okay? Or she, who had the running shot, could legally move past the open doorway and then find total cover behind the opposite wall. The scoundrel then, on her next turn, with total concealment now, attempts to sneak up again to the doorway and keep her opponent flat-footed. Now, at the time, I ruled that as she wasn't visible, she was unnoticed, and thus she could attempt to do so without the deception check, without the creating aversion to hide. Okay, Not only was it fun at the time, but it, it was just cinematic as well. The encounter was going great, and it was what was needed. In retrospect, I think I was being really too narrow with the perception skill. I mean, it does encompass hearing as well, doesn't it? Or a simple cognition. I mean, just the fact that you can't see her, it's pretty obvious she's run past the doorway and you kind of know where she is. The lack of just straight sight shouldn't be an immediate unnoticed condition, which is what I was giving it. At the very least, the target knew the scoundrel ran that way, okay? So, bottom line... The way it was run in that particular encounter, I would do it differently second time around. However, I think it's perfectly legitimate for the scoundrel to sneak up to the doorway, peek around, take the shot, and then attempt to hide again immediately at the minus 10 penalty. We were doing that in the encounter. The problem was the scoundrel was running past the door. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Even with running attack, they still could have, you know, attempted to rehide and just move back the way they came. But uh, that's kind of how it all flows in at that particular point in time. But the bottom line was, when the encounter was run, it was very cinematic. It was very uh, needed for the situation. Uh, and quite frankly, y'all were starting to get your butts handed to you, and it helped out quite a bit. Uh, the scoundrels seemed to be having a really good time. So when you guys are combining this stuff in your own campaigns... Consider the ways to use stealth, but more importantly, consider what makes your opponent flat-footed. It's all about perception, it's all about stealth, and it's all about creative use of terrain. You've got to have that cover, and you've got to have that concealment. So, consider that, and I hope that answers your question, Duncan. And uh, thank you very much for bringing it up. And it was a good session, man. I really enjoyed it. But uh, I've ranted and raved about it already in our, uh, our Gen Con episodes, so I won't do so again, aside to say from the fact that it was really cool, and I had a lot of fun. So, very yeah. nice. Yep. Yep, pretty much. Well, that about wraps up our episode this week, does it not? Yeah, it does. 
and I just wanted to let you know that, you know, a cleverly placed email will allow us, even in the middle of a show that goes from one day to the next, to fix the little rantings of an old podcaster and allow me to get this. My name is Jacques, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. And neither should you. These imperialists have no respect at all for the great French nation. Nom de Dieu de putain de bordel de merde saloperie de connard d'enculé de ta mère. Yeah, that's what I said. You go, Douglas. Awesome. <laughs> well, with that, guys, I wish you peace, love, and good gaming. That's right. And keep them dice a rolling strong! I'm Sterling Hershey, freelancer for Wizards of the Coast and the Star Wars role-playing game and miniatures game, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. This is Rodney Thompson, game designer for the Star Wars role-playing game at Wizards of the Coast, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. heard of I have not ISPs we do not have on Dagobah see in honor of me getting my Yoda bobblehead aww I'm very proud I'm glad you finally got him you've been looking for him for a while I know man it's all yeah, I don't good. I don't really do McDonald's I mean like pretty much all the bobbleheads I have so far have been gifts I just I watch supersize me and I just can't I can't do McDonald's I just can't well you don't supersize it that's the whole key it's a happy meal we just don't eat it. It's awful for you. It's just, well, I can't be talking. I'm not exactly the pinnacle of physical fitness, but um, I certainly do eat my share of junk food uh, and, and bad fast food. Just just not McDonald's. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm weird. I'm un-American. I'm un-American. How can I be an American and not like McDonald's? What's wrong with me? Oh, dude, don't worry about it. Uh, I'll try. At least it's not Taco Cabana. At least it's not Taco Cabana. That's right. Ha, ha, ha.